you know, it's really weird hearing a Guns N' Roses song that Axl Rose recorded that in 1999, right? Hard School came out yesterday as a new Guns N' Roses song. It's not new. He just had Slash and Duff play over and sort of chop up an old song. Welcome to the Canada Club. This is episode 12. I want to say thank you to all of you who are a club member. And I know that I gave the last Canada Club out for free. I just wanted people out there to know what they were missing, but we're not going to do it again. So all of you who are contributing, thank you so much. I want to give a shout out to our new members, Edward, Cliff, Squawk, Andy, Carol, Chairman Now, Anthony, Dave, I think that those are the newest, Jay and James. I think I got you guys last time, but thank you so much for being members. Here's what I want to talk about on this episode of Canada Club, episode 12. I just want to go down the manufacturer list, and I want to say some things that are just making me scratch my head. They're making me say, really? At these prices, with what's going on in the pinball hobby, we're still experiencing these kinds of things, okay? And here's where I want to start first. I want to start with Spooky Pinball because this company, as you know, is probably everyone's favorite boutique pinball company. They represent the American dream. And Charlie did it right. Charlie did it right. He started a pinball company, are you waiting for it, with like $50,000. And he made America's Most Haunted and they couldn't sell any of them. And then he limited it to 150 machines and then they sold that. And then they sold the next game at 300 units. And then I think it was 500. Then we got 750 Rick and Mortys. We got 500 plus TNAs. Now we have 1,250 Halloweens and 500 Ultramans all on one day, which is great. And everybody, everybody feels really good about Spooky Pinball and their ascension in the pinball marketplace and in the community and in the world, right? But here's where I think Spooky Pinball is making me scratch my head because they're no longer that little tiny company that basically could barely make 150 games. They are now a company that is selling a product at a price point that is premium. Remember, Spooky Games were like $5,000. Now they're $10,000 with a butter cabinet. So when you charge this much money, and remember, they're still in Benton, Wisconsin. Charlie's factory, I believe like the city of Benton kind of like gave it to him for like a buck. His overhead is not nearly the same cost of Jersey Jack or Stern Pinball, which means, which means they can invest in their people, in their workforce, and in their talent. And I am starting to scratch my head a little bit about some of the things we're seeing with these new games. And primarily, I'm scratching my head as I see what is up on that screen on these machines. And and it's making me wonder whether or not Charlie has invested enough money in the software and coding department of Spooky Pinball. And I don't think he has. And I think this is a corner that they are kind of cutting. And if they continue to cut this corner, I think this could start to, could really start to erode away all of the goodwill he's built up with the community. And I'm really perplexed. I'm very perplexed about the animations on Halloween. The more I look at them, not just from a quality standpoint, and yes, I don't think those are pinball quality animations by any means. I don't. But what's really confusing about them is not just the quality, it's how they're represented in the game. 
So I'm looking at this scene in which you're trying to escape Mike Myers. You're trying to escape from the kitchen, and he's there holding this butcher knife. And it goes back and forth between this woman who is terrified, and it's a static image of her that's an artwork piece. And then we cut back to Mike Myers, and he's just standing in the kitchen. He's standing in the kitchen just going up and down with the knife, almost like he's masturbating with it, and he's not moving towards her. There's no tension, there's no anxiety, there's no movement whatsoever that makes any sense. Like, why would he stand still in a kitchen staring at this terrified woman and not go towards her? The whole thing doesn't work. The reason why these movies are scary, the reason why they terrified us in the theater is that whole moment in which he appears and then he attacks. You know, when he appears just static like that, do you feel scared? Do you feel like you need to escape him? Do you feel anything that relates to the sort of terror that the movie creates? It's like they're combining bad animations with a scene that makes absolutely no sense. You know, when I think about Batman 66, there aren't many animations in the game, but there is one in which, you know, Batman grabs the big pinball and it's like he's running around like he's holding the bomb like in the movie and he throws the pinball into the water and that gives you an extra ball. Now imagine that same animation done the way Spooky's doing it, in which Batman's just standing there and he's just like going back and forth with the ball and nothing else is happening and he's not running around. It's not really an animation what they're doing. And so that makes no sense. It makes me scratch my head and it makes me really worried that Spooky Pinball, when they were given these animations, they looked at it and said this is good enough for a pinball machine that is costing people $9,000. And I'm sorry, but I think they need to start over with the animations and I think they need to invest money in more talented people who can make these games as good as, if not better, than what their competitors are doing because you're charging that much money. And of course, the other thing, right? The hedge multi-bar. I know I've made this an issue, that fact that like nobody caught that, and even they now came out and said that nobody caught that. And I really find that hard to believe. The moment I stood over the game, the moment I saw the game light up, it was the first thing I noticed. So how could they, when they put in the order for the play fields and they started making these games and they're shipping these games to customers, they must have seen that. And they must have thought they could get away with it. And it's not a huge deal, but it's just sloppy. And at these price points, once again, there's just no room for sloppiness. You have to make sure that these details are figured out before you start making games and before you start shipping games to customers. Because this one's a big one, because when you think about it, there might not be a way to retroactively fix this for all of the machines that have gone out and for all of the playfields that have already been ordered, and that will cost them thousands of dollars if consumers demand a fix for this. Now, I don't think they will. I think some of these early spooky games that have hedge multi-ba on them will actually become kind of like a rare conversation piece, but it speaks to a larger issue. Charlie needs to invest more in some of these areas, and he needs to not cut corners. And I think if he continues to cut some of these corners and doesn't catch this stuff earlier, it's going to erode away at all of the great goodwill they have. And look, coding is very important. I can't underscore enough. You need to nail the code on a game. 
The Munsters is the most beautiful pinball machine maybe ever. It really is. Have you ever stood over a Munsters recently and realized that this is easily Christopher Franchi's nicest game? It might even be Stern Pinball's most beautiful game. And what is the main reason why nobody wants to own a Munsters? It's because of the code. And when you look at the Munsters, that code is still much further along and looks much better than the code we're getting on Halloween. And I'm starting to see like all of these apologists say, oh, they're just going to end up fixing it. It's not that simple. The road they're going down with this animator and the way they're doing this game, it's not that easy. They're building this ship in the ocean and to turn it around now is going to be a lot more difficult, a lot more expensive. And I know there's a code update coming, I think October 1st. So we're going to see what they do to get more clips in the game. But I'm telling you right now, when they said they've got clips that are like three seconds long, I don't think you're going to see what you really want to see. I really don't. I think you're going to see more snidbits, but I still think you're going to have a lot of those animations guiding you through this game. All right, the next head scratcher thing for Canada right now is this. Why am I in 2021, after they've shipped about 2,800 games of Guns N' Roses, why is it that Jersey Jack Pinball the world's makers of the most premium pinball machine. It is. Guns N' Roses and Jersey Jack, those machines are the Rolls Royces of pinball. They really are. Why is it that we are still seeing people who have rubbers in their games that fall apart after 200 plays? Jersey Jack, this is inexcusable. This is such a weird thing for me to head scratch. Why can't they give people Titan rubbers? Why are they using the cheapest rubbers imaginable, and they're breaking and they're wearing down right away. This makes no sense. Do you not expect people to play your games? Is this a strategy of yours to not have the Miracle Playfields fall apart? Hey, if we give them rubbers that fall apart in 200 plays, they won't be able to play the game, and that's the best protection against all the playfield issues. No, I'm just kidding, but this is just another head scratcher. It's like, Jack, come on, Jersey Jack. Enough of this already. How many customers do you have to see with their red rubbers just turning black and falling apart before someone says, hey, maybe we should give customers a better quality rubber in their premium pinball machine? This looks really bad. Stern flipper rubbers don't fall apart like this. And it's such a cheap item. That's the problem when you cut corners on stuff like flipper bat rubber. It's like, what is this, like $5? You're telling me I spend $10,500 on a game and after 200 plays, it looks like I've put 2,000 plays on the game. Jersey Jack, come on, stop with this. I have one more head scratcher with Jersey Jack Pinball. And this head scratcher is the topper for Guns N' Roses. This game is amazing. This game is incredible. This game is beautiful. This game deserves a topper that's equally as impressive as the game itself. And you're telling me, when you have the Guns N' Roses IP, when you have all of the awesome skeleton artwork from Dane Henry Jr., you're telling me that you decided that that would be the topper for this game. Why? There's so much money to be made on toppers. There's so much revenue they could have made if they made a nice topper. And again, I'm seeing people unbox these toppers, right? And they all say the same thing. It's not that nice. Jersey Jack, as a marketer, 
Why would you want to give people something that's not impressing them? Why would you look at that topper and then look at the beautiful game below it and say, you know what? This isn't good enough. Like, we can't do this. Like, this can't be the topper that we officially launch from Jersey Jack Pinball for all of these Guns N' Roses owners out there. You're going to have four to 5,000 people with Guns N' Roses LE machines that would buy a topper if it was decent. This isn't decent. It's pathetic. And now you're not going to get all of that revenue because you launched something that's just so lazy. I don't understand it. It's not hard to get a beautiful 3D sculpted topper that would completely complement the beautiful work of art that Eric put into this game. And I think that's another head scratcher that Canada just doesn't understand. All right, what else am I scratching my head at these days? Am I scratching my head at the Godzilla artwork? Not really. You know, I've sort of grown to sort of love Stern Pinball over the last couple months, and I'll tell you why. Stern Pinball makes the difficult so simple. They make it so easy on everybody. And every time we nitpick Stern and every time we complain about Stern, it's always kind of like unfounded. I get that they charge a lot, but ultimately, the way they have manufacturing down, the way they don't make you wait forever for a game, the way they continue to release three to four games a year, are we really that mad at Stern Pinball? Something that I was always scratching my head at at Stern Pinball, and I got an answer, and I'm going to give it to you guys right now. I was always like, why doesn't Stern re-release all of these toppers that are selling for thousands of dollars, right? Why don't they re-release the Ecto-1 topper? Right, the Ecto-1 topper is now selling for like 3,500 bucks. So I had a really amazing conversation with Andrew, who is over at Stern Pinball. Andrew's in charge of their merchandise and their accessories. He runs like their e-shop. He's an incredible guy with an incredible backstory. He worked at Marvel, he worked at Tops, he worked at Hallmark, and I had about a half hour conversation with him. He listens to the show. I was happy to hear that, that Stern people listen to the show. And he's such a cool dude. And he said, it's real simple, Chris. He's like, the only reason we don't have any more Ecto-1 toppers, or we can't make them right now, is that the license ran out. There is no other reason than that. And the license for these things are very expensive. Now, to play devil's advocate though, right? I get that with Ghostbusters, but you're telling me that the Black Knight license ran out? No, they could easily make more Black Knight toppers. And that's really the only reason to own a Black Knight machine is if you have the topper. Apparently, that's the best part of the game. So where else am I head scratching these days? Well, I am head scratching at American Pinball, just not getting anything out. Same thing with CGC. These two companies, it's like, what are they waiting for, right? When are they gonna release these two new games? And when is the timing gonna be right for them? Clearly there's a delay. Clearly the COVID supply chain issues is impacting both of these companies. But I think the real head scratcher for American Pinball is they still haven't revealed what their game is. Everybody knows it's Cactus Canyon Remake. We've known it forever. Everyone knows that game is going to be the game everyone's seen for years. It's going to have improvements throughout. It's going to do fine. It's American Pinball that has me scratching my head the most because they need more help. They need to create more hype and enthusiasm for this title or it's not going to do well. It's not going to do well. And I don't see them doing anything. They're still talking about the old titles. But the future for American Pinball is in front of them. It's not Houdini. It's not Oktoberfest. It's not Hot Wheels. And so they have a new game ready to go. And they're doing absolutely nothing to even slowly get people excited about it. 
they could at least do a few things. If I were them, maybe show people what the new cabinet looks like because they're not going to do the old cabinet anymore. Maybe show people some other features that are going to be part of the American Pinball games moving forward. Maybe even start to talk about internet connectivity. Do you have any of that planned for American Pinball? But there's nothing. And you do have to work hard in pinball to create a fan base and a community. And I just feel like American Pinball, it's like they wait for a new game to come out. It's usually not that successful. And then all these months go by in which they're doing nothing to sort of get the community to rally around their brand. A brand is a very precious thing. You have to cultivate it. You have to nurture it. You have to keep it relevant. To go silent for eight months makes you irrelevant in pinball. And not only that, people are spending their money on other things because they don't know anything is coming from you. That's a really bad marketing strategy. And now that you've waited until after Godzilla is out there, it's a really, really bad strategy because I would hate, I would hate to launch a game after Keith Elwin's Godzilla. The amount of money and the amount of room this game is going to occupy is going to make it really, really hard for Jerry to sell his new P3 license game, for AP to sell this junior designer game. And I also think it's going to put a dent in Chicago Gaming Company's plans for Cactus Canyon Remake. But I also, part of me feels like you're not going to see Cactus Canyon Remake ship until next year. And Stern's going to have another reveal. This is crazy. Stern will reveal another game before the year is up. So I think Stern's actually going to reveal another game before any Cactus Canyons even make their way into homes. And the last thing that just has me scratching my head right now, and you've heard me talk about this, it's just the prices that people are paying for a lot of these games secondhand. And I'm seeing it on Pinside. I'm seeing the prices people are asking for games that were going for thousands less just a year ago. A Ghostbusters premium from Refinery, now $10,000. $10,000. Like you legitimately could easily get a Ghostbusters LE for $8,000 for like three years. Three years. If you waived eight to $9,000, you were getting a Ghostbusters LE. Now a premium is $10,000. I'm scratching my head and I'm wondering, is anybody buying at these prices? I know people are asking this stuff. Like I saw a TNA with a sale pending for $9,000 on Pinside. Did somebody really go buy a TNA for $9,000? And I'm scratching my head because there is just no way this hobby, if everything moves so far upstream, if all of these games that are like okay or mediocre, if all of these things start to get inflated, it will come to a point where a lot of people are just going to get burnt out and it won't be fun anymore. And I've been doing my finances. Again, I'm going to talk a little bit more candidly to the Canada Club. I've been doing my finances, just had a kid, looking at daycare, looking at rent. Well, it's not rent, it's maintenance because I own the apartment, but the maintenance is, is $2,000 a month. I won't even tell you what daycare is. Then I've got the cost of like the parking garage, the car insurance, the two cars. We've got the cost of like, here's what seamless costs, here's what going out costs. We did a budget. And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, we make good money as a dual income household. But at the end of the month, when you take care of all of your real priorities, and also a real priority for us is investing money, putting money away for our future, our retirement, and for Killian and his education. When you do all the math and you put it all together, 
I just can't run around anymore just throwing $12,000 at a pinball machine because that's not a priority to me. I also am very aware that the ability to flip these machines for a profit is kind of gone, especially at these prices. And I totally expect Jersey Jack Pinball to charge $15,000 for their next collector's edition. And it's just getting to a point now where two pinball machines sitting in your home might now be around $30,000 or $25,000 for two machines. You have to make $50,000 before taxes just for that toy that you don't really need. Maybe I'm scratching my head at my own desire to be following this thing so closely because the higher the prices get, I'm not gonna lie, the higher the prices get, the more unenthusiastic I become about it. But I'm not gonna lose my love of pinball. Here's what's happening to me, and it's actually the ultimate silver lining, and it's the ultimate moment of enlightenment. The more expensive these games become, the easier it is for me to say, you know what? I'm not gonna go spend $11,000 on a Godzilla. I'm gonna take 100 bucks, and I'm gonna go to Jack Bar, and I'm gonna play it there for a month and get my fill. And John will open up the bar for me early, I'll jump on the game, I'll crank the volume, and I'll be able to experience it the same way anyone would in their home, and I could play it for two hours uninterrupted. So why would I buy the game? I'm doing good for my friend John and his bar, I'm playing pinball out on location, the game is actually set up better than anyone's home because he sets them up perfectly. It's starting to feel like as these things become so much more expensive, that location play is actually gonna be the most enticing thing moving forward. That owning these things in your home is no longer like a good deal. It no longer makes sense. You have to remember the majority of pinball collectors, the majority of people who got into this hobby, so many of them started putting these games in their homes in the late 90s, early 2000s. And if you started doing it then, you could get these amazing games for just $1,000. Some of them were 500 bucks, maybe $2,000 for a Twilight Zone. People were giving these games away. There was such a period in which everything was a deal. There were no $12,000 games. There were no $8,000 games. There was only a handful of games like a King Kong or a Kingpin that warranted over $10,000. Now every new game is that. Every new game is so inflated. And I do think if you love pinball, if you love pinball, you can still really enjoy this hobby by playing out on location more. You can still really enjoy this hobby by listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast and other pinball podcasts that you enjoy. You can really enjoy this hobby by going on Pinside and talking about pinball with your friends. You can really enjoy this hobby by going on streams. My point being is now for me, the last thing I really wanna do to enjoy pinball is spend over $10,000. I wanna just go to shows and hang out with people. I wanna talk pinball with all of you. I wanna play games at my friend's bars that I can get to in just a few minutes. I don't feel this need to own it. And I don't even think owning these machines anymore is any flex move by people. I don't, I'm not impressed anymore when I see people's row of games. Now I see people's row of games and I'm like, wow, you've got like $200,000 in pinball machines. That's kind of stupid. That's how I feel. I mean, that's just how I feel. Now, God bless some of you out there who have so much money and have so much room. I'm really happy for you. I never begrudge anyone who has that. I'm not envious. I'm really not, I would not do that if 
if I had $200,000, I would not create a row of pinball machines in my home. There's just other stuff I would rather do with the money. But that's the thing. I actually feel more liberated. It's this strange sense. The more I give up chasing all this new inbox FOMO, I just feel so liberated. And I just want to go play pinball and order a bunch of beers, drink some whiskey, talk to you guys at the bar, talk to you guys at the show. I'll happily visit you guys in your houses and see your collections, but I'm free now. And I sort of have to be free of it because I can't afford it because I'm a new dad. And to me, when I look at little Killian and he smiles, I want to make sure in 16 years, he's not like, dad, why are you stressed out? Why can't we afford to do things that we should be doing as a family? Well, because son, I bought all these pinball machines instead of investing in your future and instead of investing in my retirement, I bought toys at the age of 45. And I say the age of 45 because my birthday is tomorrow. I will be 45 years old. If you want to get Canada a gift, you've already given me the gift. You're, you're a Patreon contributor, so you do not have to give me anything more. But if you want to, it's canadapinball at gmail.com, and I will happily buy a drink on your behalf or an omakase sushi dinner because some of you guys are so rich. Like, it's amazing what some people gave to Brenda for her birthday. I mean, we had the most amazing meal thanks to the fans of the show. Everybody, this is Canada Club episode 12. I always enjoy talking to you even more than the mass audiences. I think these shows are my favorite to do and you're my favorite for contributing because you don't have to. And you've had hundreds of hours of free content and this means so much to me as sort of like my side hustle that I have people that support this show and every month, Brenda and Killian, we look at our Patreon contributors and it makes us smile because it does, in some little way, it just makes it feel like it's all worth it. And I don't care what anyone says, nobody wants to do a ton of hard work for free. They don't, nobody does. I don't, you don't. And so it feels great to be rewarded for being the number one show and doing this show that has given you guys so much entertainment over the years. So I do mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. And I know for some of you, it is a lot to contribute this every month, but I really do appreciate it. I do have a lot of fun new merchandise that is coming out. So if you didn't want to rock the Viva La Raza, don't worry. Some really cool stuff is just down the road. Everybody have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. You had to be new, had to new.